Welcome back to the Commonwealth Classical Liberal Podcast, and welcome back to our continuing discussion on education reform. We started this last week discussing some ideas around school choice, and we'll continue that conversation today. This pod, like the Classical Liberal Party of Virginia or the CLPVA, is a home for those who believe in open markets, open minds, and free people, and who wouldn't believe in that? Thanks for joining us today, and each week, please listen, subscribe, and share these podcasts with others. And I'm excited this week, Chris Frazier is missing this week, but I have a chance to speak one-on-one with Brian Doss. Brian, welcome back. Thanks for being here. That's good to be here. Here. So we, we, we dug into this last week. We had a, a good discussion. There's a lot to this discussion. So looking at the CLPVA's platform statement on education reform, we sort of uh, dove into the first two specific positions. We discussed backpack funding and the idea of geographic exclusivity. You guys did a great job addressing those points and ideas. For anyone who missed that, you can go back and listen to the episode number 10, last week's episode, and hear that conversation. This week, we're going to cover the three remaining specific recommendations that are articulated in the platform. So as I did last week, bear with me. I'm going to read through the platform position. There's a lot there, but then we're going to take the last three item by item, and Brian's going to help us understand what they really mean, both sort of like practically, what do they mean? And then as far as policy and legislation, what does that actually translate into? So Brian, uh, if we would, before I, before I dive into it, is there anything you'd like to start us off with? Anything you want to share or, or say to those that are listening? Uh, no, I mean, it just, it's, uh, we're, we're getting into a hectic part of the year. It's both hectic and relaxing at the same time. A little, uh, uh, you know, a little quantum superposition here, but uh, I'm just hoping everybody stays safe and stays warm. It's been uh, pretty, uh, pretty miserable uh, here for a bit, but, you know, it, it turns, it comes back and forth. So. It does. My, my, my youngest son attends university in the great state of Florida, and he, he likes to regularly remind us of the temperatures that he's experiencing where we are. He, he was out playing beach volleyball, uh, I think, over the weekend in, in a tank top and making a sweat. Yeah, in the evening, my wife and I were back here sitting by the fire like, like uh, you know, little, little children uh, huddled to keep warm. So, hey, we're, we're not there. We'll enjoy this month of December 1st, podcast of December 4th. So good to have this. And we've got some exciting topics coming up in the, in the last few weeks of the year. So real gift when we kick these off in 2023, Brian. Thank you. And thanks to Chris as well for contributing to these and you know leading us through these discussions. And excited to see where things go in 2024, both for the podcast and the CLPVA. But hey, let's jump back into today. So education reform. So again, I'm going to read these off. Listeners, thank you for your patience. Let's go through it. The culture war fight over our children's education has grown to a fever pitch and continues to impede the actual purpose of our schools, educating the next generation. To short circuit the culture war, we call for implementation of school choice throughout the Commonwealth. And then we go into our five specific bullets. The first two, again, we covered last week just to revisit those. One, counties and cities should move to funding students rather than systems and allow funding to travel to schools based on the decisions of families rather than bureaucrats. That's the idea of school choice, backpack funding, shoelace funding. We talked about that last week. And two, currently existing public schools should no longer have geographic exclusivity and attendance zones and should allow for choice throughout a county or city. And again, we tackled that in last week's pod as well. So these are the three we're going to discuss today, starting with number three. The state should cease its insistence on test-centric and test-metric educational models and instead help move all localities toward teaching to mastery. Four, teachers should not be subjected to micromanagement from state officials, nor subjected to police state level surveillance, but instead schools should be directly accountable to the families they serve. And five, we strongly oppose censorship in school libraries 
and other government-funded or controlled institutions, including book bans, any literary media, et cetera, and oppose all political control over access to information. So Brian, there's a lot there, and we're gonna try and hit these relatively quickly. So I think we're just gonna try and tackle these last recommendations one by one. And I'm gonna ask you to sort of help us understand what do they actually say? What do they actually mean? And what does that look like in terms of implementation? What would a CLPVA uh, representative on a school board or, or a mayor or somebody serving in a local city or community how would they put this into implementation if, if they had that opportunity? So let's just go one by one. I'm going to start that that third bullet, Brian, just to repeat it to frame it. The state should cease its insistence on test centric and test metric educational models and instead help move all localities toward teaching to mastery. That's what the platform says. So Brian, mm -hmm. what does that mean? And what would that look like in the form of in the form of policy or legislation? Oh yeah, uh, t uh, teaching the mastery is the idea that uh, uh, you want to, like with any other kind of certification program, uh, you you don't you're not trying to see, you know, you're not trying to separate the the can from the cannot. You're here to take someone from A and get them to B, get them to mastery, get them to the you know of whatever skill that you're you're trying to uh, look for. We in the adult world uh, understand this that we go to a training programs and it's not there to you know, oh, well, we're going to rank you and then kick you out. Uh, you're the, <laughs> you go to a, tra a training program to get trained. You get trained up, you get your certification, you move on to the next one, you get your you know, certification, et cetera. So that's the idea is test the mastery versus, um, <clears throat> versus just uh, testing to sort, as I guess is, contrad you know, is the, you know, the contradistinction. Um, so what we have in the, uh, currently is, uh, and we've had since uh, no, no Child Left Behind is this, you know, very federally top-down, you know, imposed uh, regime of <clears throat> uh, uh, of testing. It's just metrics. Is we have to have numbers. We have to make sure that everybody's proceeding. And there's this ideology again of the factory model. It's like we're going to put them in, shove them through a factory, and at the end, uh, they're you know, you know, they're going to be you know, good good enough workers to, to be uh, you know, adults, et cetera. Um, the problem with this is that everything about these tests is is <clears throat> basically set to do you, you know is a gate. It's like, did you get this? Okay, now we got the you know you you test it. All right, we're going to have to teach this test until you get a certain mark and you get over it. But the problem is with that sort of mindset is that you are you're constantly just teaching to a test. You don't you're not actually teaching the skills. You're teaching the, the skill you're teaching is how to get over that particular test, however well or, or not well that the, the test is, uh, is, is designed. <clears throat> so instead, and, and that's the pressure that has, that's come onto all these schools is they're pretty much having to ditch, you know, curricula and pedagogy uh, that, you know, they know would actually go over and actually teach these skills and the, you know, and the subjects that they're trying to do in order to make sure that they can pass, you know, the top-down delivered test. Uh, to get those test results, and if you don't get those test results, then you have to then you failed, and you have to go back, et cetera. And there's a general model of like, oh, I go over, I get my my results, and that's it. So you either you either pass or you fail, and you got your 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 marks and your scores, and you move on to the next level. Whether or not you've actually mastered anything, <laughs> you know, even if you got an A, whoop, it may have gone from your uh, your mind, because everybody is just working for the test. So you don't know if anybody's really gotten it. 
necessarily because it's like one and done. Get that test, get those numbers so I can satisfy my masters up in the bureaucracy and move forward. So the idea of switching from that to <clears throat> kind of tailoring it to, yes, you want to make sure that you can actually do something and <clears throat> pull it through. And it kind of gets to rethinking the industrial model of education and starting to open up different ways of looking at education. But uh, at the very least, we've, not, we've got to pull back from the you know, testing overallis uh, and getting the, the scores. You know, it's like, oh, here's your marks. You know, we have these metrics, and we're going to teach the metrics, et cetera. That just doesn't work. It's putting, it puts teachers to, you know, you know, to the stress. It puts stress on the students. It's not necessarily even helping anybody actually teach because they keep getting beaten down by, like, oh, you don't have these numbers. So, like, in the extreme cases, like in Georgia, they kind of get together, form a, you know, form a, like a cabal, <laughs> and then uh, change everybody's grades because just to get away from the, the system. Now, that was wrong, but I, it's like, I'm not saying you should have done it, but I understand. You know, that's, <laughs> and we need to get away from that. We need to get to the idea of, like, we're actually teaching people you know, mastery of, of this subject or that subject. Keep going at it until, you know, until you're done, until you get to it, and then you can move on to another thing. So you're, like, checking off boxes. However that would, like, work in practice, well, again, that's up for, you know, that's up for the, you know, the implementation and for politics, et cetera, to think about. But it's important to get into that direction where we're not looking at, like, we need to get numbers so we can, we can punish you. So, so you got to get these numbers, this quota, just like in a factory. I don't have my widgets. My widgets need to be up here. You're below that. So now the beatings will continue until morale improves. We got it. We got to change from that. Yeah, I mean that's uh, it's the old you know, teaching to the test approach, right? And that's I mean one mm -hmm. you mentioned. I think it's definitely worth mentioning. Compassionate conservative Republican President George W. Bush, who I've got a lot of hmm. very powerful feelings about. Um, that was his, his his idea. He he brought this up in two thousand one, mm -hmm. and uh, you know got it got it uh, you know passed through Congress. And it's it, it it's it's not a productive system, right? Teachers, the pressure is on them to mm -hmm. get kids over the hump to meet the minimum requirements, right? To pass the test, not really about educating them, preparing them, as you said, Brian. So it's a it's a great example of how the federal government likes to tie dollars and resources to national standards and goals and and, and requirements that might not fit every state, county, city, community. And it really does create a very uh, clunky system. And you know, my kids, for example, are really no child left behind kids. They grew up right after legislation was passed. And I think, you know, having observed them and their, their peers throughout school, I think it's been an absolute failure to help our schools actually teach kids what they need to learn. But like we're saying, it's, it's training to the test. And the Army say, you know, what gets checked gets done. In this case, we're telling teachers, you know, meet meet this minimum standard on the test. That's what's important. It's, it has it hasn't been great. So, so what does that what does that mean, right? What would what a CLPVA candidate or legislator or official what, what would we do differently if, if we were somebody that could hold hold office if we could affect legislation? What's a better solution? We, yeah, well, the, the the issues, of course, is uh, is from the state level. Uh, there's a Commonwealth uh, like level for. Uh, standards of learning uh, yeah. and, and all the localities are they have their hands bound yeah. uh, so unfortunately I mean we can get on the there's there's it's not that you can't do anything on a uh, uh, on a school board of course but uh, you are kind of limited in your in your way to get away from 
this top-down thing. So it really requires uh, uh, state-level uh, legislative reform. Is to you know, basically just we have to we have to we have to go back to the way it kind of used to be. Uh, is this we got to eliminate all this testing? It's just testing after testing after testing, and uh, and because it's like one and done, or you know you, you or you get maybe one extra uh, you know, type, et cetera. But the, the regardless. The, the focus is on you have to make this metric or we have problems versus how many people have we gotten over this metric? And then we can like, yeah, you did this. You can move on. Now we can tailor it to these people who still need work to get there or, you know, if they, you know, how are we going? We change the way we're looking at things. Because right now it is, it's the state comes down and says, you have to hit these numbers and you have to teach it this way. And you have to, you know, teach, you know, very rigid. Very rigid. So we'd have to have legislators in there to get on the, uh, to introduce legislation, to get on the uh, the committees that can go over and at least reform some of the testing requirements, et cetera. But I mean, the biggest thing is, is yes, do go out to your uh, to your school boards, uh, and you know, and try and raise raise awareness of it because you could just whatever you can do to try and thwart and get around uh, that you know top down you know testing Uberala system. Yeah, the better. Yeah, I, th I think it's really largely about letting teachers, you know, empowering teachers as opposed to you know, pressuring them to meet standards for funding and, and helping them do what they need to for, for their students, right? To educate them and, and develop them and get them ready for the next level of requirements at, at a much more personal level as opposed to, you know, hey, let's let's turn out these cookies, make sure they all look the same and move them mm -hmm. along, um, which, which is a system. So, well, I appreciate it, Brian. Is there anything else you'd like to sort of talk this idea of, of teaching and mastery and, uh, and getting away from well, the test system? Yeah, well, I think this is a, is a good segue into the second point because yeah. uh, if you allow, if we reorient from the top down, you got to meet, you know, meet these tests, we got to get these metrics, et cetera, and you flip that around to we're, you know, we're trying to, you know, bring, bring people forward and then, you know, we count everybody who gets across as a win versus looking at the people who, uh, who, who aren't. Um, part of that is then you're giving more power to teachers, uh, which goes into our second point, if you want to uh, yeah, you know, bring absolutely. it to yeah, that yeah. Nice, nice segue there. So let's read it off. So again, this is our, our fourth bullet in our educational reform. It's going to read it off again. And it reads, teachers should not be subjected to micromanagement from state officials, nor subjected to police state level surveillance, but instead schools should be directly accountable to the families they serve. That's, that's crazy, Brian, accountable to your to your clients, that's an insane. I know, no, it's so, super radical. It's radical. Uh, yeah, it's radical. It, it, so, yeah. so, so what does that mean? Right? So it sounds good, right? We don't want to micromanage. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to say that we don't want to micromanage. But what are we really saying here? What What is the idea behind this? And again, what, what would this look like locally, or you know, here in the Commonwealth? What does it actually mean? Well, yeah. Well, I have I have some insight in this because my wife is a teacher, and so I've 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 gotten to see it from multiple counties, uh, you know, over her career of. You know, these just the the level of micromanagement, uh, which varies, but is you know the the trend is always to more to the yeah. point where like they've like chucked out the entire curriculum and then are having the, they're saying you do it. It's like an unfunded mandate. It's like all right, the curriculum has to be that we're not going to tell you what it is. You got to do it, but you also got to do this, 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 and this. It's it's insane, uh, and they they're not they don't have the the leeway to go over like for secondary teachers secondary uh, you know, education, you know, middle school and high school, uh, to go over and work amongst their peers, come up with a curricula that meets the, 
the greater standards, etc., and then teach. They're told you need to do it. You need to fill out this form, and you need to you know, hit this points, and you got to clear it with uh, with corporate essentially. Yeah. Uh, and they go down, pack it with you know, you know all the triplicates, etc., and then you can go and teach. It's like the and you know and, and to generate all sorts of like product. Uh, you know, here, we've got all these things that we can test. Good luck. You have to do all of it. So we're telling you you have to do this and this, you know, more and more to the point where uh, teachers have no leeway. Yeah. Uh, and that's it's the micromanagement serves nobody well. Uh, it doesn't serve the educational process well. Does it, it's a massive disservice to our teachers who are professionals who have who have advanced degrees. Uh, they, you know, it, we have to remind everybody that. Almost every teacher has to have a master's degree, uh, but you know that they have to have a degree in their primary subject and a master's degree in education, or vice versa, et cetera. And, and usually, um, department chair at each school that's got you know years and years or decades of experience in that you know mm -hmm. very core subject, right? So they've got they've got the education, but they've also got an experienced leader right there that is you know in theory you know guiding that that group along to make sure they're you know doing the best they can in their classrooms. Exactly, and so what we're, we're we're leaving all of the basically we're leaving a lot of money on the table, but with this micromanagement of teachers and, and and people thinking oh teachers are the problem because they're coming here with you know ooh they've got an agenda they want to do this uh, maybe that's true it's not uh, but even if it was they don't have a chance to do, implement any kind of weird agenda they are micromanagers within an inch of their lives and so what we're saying is we need to in you know in the spirit of teaching the mastery is we also need to, you know, accept the mastery that we have. You know, the experienced teachers and the core that they have, they're, they're well-trained, they've got experience, they work with each other, and they have a better relationship with their students, uh, students' families, because they're one-on-one. -on -one. They can teach them. They, they have the, you know, as, as Hayek would say, they have the local knowledge. They, they know better than somebody either at the county or the state about what these you know, families want for their kids, uh, but we don't let them do their job. We basically treat them like AI or robots. And, and so what we need... No, yeah. Go ahead, Brian. Sorry, go ahead. Continue. No, and so we, what we need to do is we need to get away from that, get to more collaborative, uh, get to allow the teachers to come up with uh, curricula. Let this stuff bubble up uh, and, and from, the, from the ground up. Let, the, let our professionals... Be professionals and let the families of a, of a particular school be the ones that drive to say, hey, this is what I think we should focus on or I have these concerns, and they bring them directly to the school, not through a roundabout way of uh, you know, different pressure groups and, you know, oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. They can directly go to the source yeah. instead of just othering. So that's that's what it's about. That's, that's that's like the second step of that. So if we're if we're teaching the mastery, because that's what educators want to do, because they want all of your students to succeed. They want all of them to understand and love the material as much as they do. They want this. That's they're there to do that. They're there to teach. To if people would just let them, uh, and the and the people that are you know have the greatest ability to oversee that are not bureaucrats, you know, up either at the state or the county level. It's you and me, you know, seeing our kids. So we know if our kids come back and they're like, duh, and we're like, oh, we've got a problem. And then we can go to the source of the problem. 
but right now it's a you know the thick wall of bureaucracy. If you go to if you go to a lot of the students, teachers, they're like, nothing I can do, or you know, or they'll just like I'll keep it under advisement. But they know their hands are tied, and all you can do is then join some pressure group to try and work around the system instead of going directly to the issue. So yeah, these, that's what we need. To, that's what we need to change. Yeah, and, and Brian, I think you make some really important points here on really this, this isn't intended to hurt you know, public schools or schools in general. It's, it's meant to build that relationship, that communication, that local accountability between teachers, administrators, families, and students. Right? We're having conversations about what, what's needed, what's best for our community, for our children, you know, for the school, and so forth. That, that should be seen as a good thing. It's seen as a good thing in in the market it seems a good thing when people go to the store you want what you know you need you want to be able to get what you want and it really ties back to that whole idea of school choice the goal here isn't to you know, destroy school systems it's to make them accountable to the people they serve right and for teachers to be empowered to do what they need to do a lot of this really comes together and you really start thinking about some of these both so so appreciate that perspective brian i think it's you well, know, I a, go ahead, go ahead. i think we should like to address too is some of the like is the police state level of surveillance uh, that people have been proposing, treating teachers like they're the enemy, uh, like proposing to have cameras on them so that, you know, so that they could be monitored by political officers. <clears throat> I mean, the, you know, the school board <laughs> uh, to go over and see if they, you know, if they engage in any kind of wrong think or, you know, the, or the snitch lines that people would like, if you think your teachers being, you know, being too woke, then you can just send, you know, you get send a tip up, you know, to here. Tip lines and surveillance cameras are what the, you know, the, the communists and the, uh, the fascists were using. That's what we fought against. And for people who have liberty in their name to be pushing to this sort of uh, uh, any of this thing is it, just, it's an atrocity. It, it's, 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 it's grotesque. Yeah. Uh, we have to go over and reject that. We have to know that the, our teachers here, the professionals, and they want to do you know a good job, and you know we don't need to have a police state to make sure that they do their job. We have to just let them do their job. They don't need to be forced to do their job, and they're not here to go over and like proselytize or evangelize unless you go into a religious school because then they're hired to do that. But <laughs> but in a public school setting, they're not doing that, uh, and and that's that's what's really kind of obscene uh like earlier on where is the idea of like having cameras in the in the classrooms and having these snitch lines and you know we're going to hold those teachers accountable we got to look through their books to make sure they don't have the right you know the wrong book et cetera, et cetera. uh we need to stop that we need to respect our teachers yeah i mean and these these good sort of like simple ideas that we just lose sight of i think in a lot of our political conversations or at least a lot of the hyperbole that comes from elected officials and candidates and you know one it's it's sort of like think about what you would want and and try and follow the same you know rules and decency with others and most people don't want to work all day on, under the camera right they don't want to be sitting there on a you know on on, on other screens being monitored in, in, in that sense it's just it's just very invasive and so we probably you know probably that's our initial reaction should be we probably don't want that for our teachers either and you know you brought up the exact point this this issue of sort of you know holding them accountable and the things people might do it, it goes to both sides of the political nonsense right so you you know. Uh, you've got you know one 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 party one one extreme you know warning the kids are being indoctrinated in certain religious beliefs. You've got another you know uh, group complaining that you know teachers are turning all their children into uh, 
uh, non-binary uh, children or whatever else you know the concern is. And and while there there are exceptions, you know there there are teachers that you know go beyond where they should go in whatever topic. That's that's every person you know runs at risk. And for the most part, the vast 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 majority are there to teach their kids and do the right thing. And they will do the right thing if given the opportunity without all the political nonsense. So I think you know these are. These are issues that shouldn't be so complicated. We make them that way too often. So, mm -hmm. so absolutely, Brian. I mean, you know, we, we right. don't want police level um, surveillance. You know, we don't we don't want parents you know, sitting there monitoring every teacher's word and action, waiting to jump and pounce because they don't like the way that you know she or he said something. So that kind of goes into our third bullet a little bit. So let's 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 drift mm -hmm. there and let's talk about that. So again, our, our final bullet here today: we strongly oppose censorship in school libraries and other government funded or controlled institutions, including book bans, any literary media, et cetera, and oppose all political control over accessed information. So let, let's talk about that. And then I want to sort of, you know, mm -hmm. the common theme, right? So if I can sort of like tee this up and you can you know, address it how you want to address it. But even since last week, there was a debate between two governors, uh, Florida's Ron DeSantis and California's uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, neither who I would want personally as, as my governor. And 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 uh, Mr. DeSantis, I think, showed a book, and you know, I said, "Hey, this is this is this is taught in California schools. This is pornography. This shouldn't be there." And you know, I, I, it's not allowed in Florida schools. So, what's how does this how does this play out? Like, where where does the sort of non censorship like where where do we start to think about? Well, oh, man, I'm I'm concerned though. Like, I don't want certain, mm -hmm. right? I don't want pornography, for example. I don't want the newest issue. All right, right. So, so, right, so yeah, how, but... how, how do we manage this? What does this really mean yeah. in implementation? Yeah, let's be specific uh, that this isn't a call for anything goes or just like whatever book you find on the on the sidewalk you stick in the in the library. No, it's the the idea of, you know, that rises to, you know, censorship is the uh, is the viewpoint uh, viewpoint censorship and the and the you know, viewpoint discrimination that's coming in above and beyond like a a sensible objective standard for what is uh you know age and grade appropriate uh which we had uh which you know that it's not everybody wants to have there's this narrative that's coming around that somehow secretly without you without you paying any attention uh that all these school uh, library public school libraries are filled with filth and pornography uh, and you, you you see all the teenagers saying if only uh but but no, they're not. Uh, it's never been the case. Uh, there may have been one or two odd ones that have gotten through, uh, but there was uh, there were systems for that. Um, I'm from Hanover, and we've re recently had a school board uh, change, courtesy of the, you know, such and such for liberty, uh, who have basically started uh, like a ideological censorship drive, uh, like making sure that all the you know books are you know removed, etc. Now. They are claiming, in this case, that they, they don't want they don't want porn, they don't want smut, and fine. <clears throat> but there already existed a policy in Hanover, just as there does in every other county and in, in, in city, uh, of what age appropriate was, and there was a review thing that was staffed with uh, professionals, library professionals and uh, education professionals. That if somebody had a you know concern. It would come to them. They'd review it. They'd bring it up to the board. You know, the school board would make a decision, uh, and that worked. And in fact, for one in you know one in particular case that had come through, uh, 
that every, it went through that normal challenge. Uh, it was agreed upon and then was removed. Uh, and because everybody agrees, like, yeah, we kind of messed up on that one. We'll take that one out of uh, uh, you know, circulation. Now, note that didn't mean that <coughs> you know that old uh, system only applied to you know the actual the school uh, libraries that were out there. But they changed it now. Uh, they removed the element of professionals and put just uh, basically random citizens. They don't even have to have kids in the system uh, that are on a secret board that responds to the board. And then all that takes is one person to say, I don't want that book. And they look at it and they agree and they pull it up there. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, then they can have the book struck. It's incredibly easy. And it doesn't even require, like, to go through, you know, a rational review or anything like that. So what they've done is they've, they, they did 13 immediately once they passed this new rule uh, over the outcry of the community. Uh, and then after they narrowly won the narrowly defeated the elected school board thing, banned another 73. And I defy you on most of these 73. Like 95% um, of them have nothing to do, that anybody under a rational standard would consider uh, like pornographic or would even consider that they'll be like, ooh, that's, that's you know, too much material. In fact, most of them that they banned aren't even in the county system. See, that's a... And that's what really tips it off, is that the, they're not in the system, but also the, uh, the rule is now every teacher has to uh, go over on their own time, in their own dime, uh, catalog everything, every book they have in their, you know, their personal libraries in their, in their classrooms, and then you know, tell it to the, uh, to the school. And if they have any of the banned books, uh, then you know, discipline. Uh, that you can't have it at all. So they basically said, not only are we not going to stack it in our own libraries, where you know it's not like it's pushed on everybody; it just exists, uh, and somebody'd have to go find it. You, none of our teachers could even have any of these things. And that's where you start. That's where you've crossed the line, and that's what we mean by the censorship and the viewpoint discrimination uh, that's coming over, and they call the book bans, uh, because uh, as we see, it's like, oh, you just can't. It's not a real book ban, quote unquote because you could still get it in another library, you can still get it online, yada, yada. Not the point. It is a ban you know, within the school because nobody can have it. You know, if you're caught with it, <laughs> you, know, you, you, know, you have contraband. Uh, that's, what's, that's what follows for a book ban. That's what we mean when we're, when we're saying uh, book bans. And that's, that's wrong. And I think the people who are pushing that, again, don't realize the weapon they're handing to their opponents. Yeah, exactly. Because one, all it takes is one election, especially with an unelected uh, <laughs> uh, school board, this takes one election to flip that uh, completely and then all of a sudden, oh wait, there's no books, there's no books on Reagan, there's no books on Milton, uh, Milton Friedman, there's no books on the American uh, Revolution, you know, that, that don't, you know, slant it correctly. You know, all these things that they're like, we're, we're for this and all, gone. They can just do it immediately, especially with the system they set up. It's so capricious, and it's complete viewpoint discrimination. They've just handed them a weapon. And if it's, you know, it, that they're putting in, in place and place and place over that to allow politically driven viewpoint discrimination uh, in the amount of books that are, that are there. And so if you, it's like if we get rid of any book that has LGBT material in it, 
suddenly our kids won't be LGBT. Well, that's not, that's never been the case. Uh, <laughs> but it's not like, oh, well, if I can't read it, I don't know about it, I won't be it. It's like, sorry, no, that's not how it works. Yeah, you can't get indoctrinated, you, know? you can't get indoctrinated, Brian. But, I mean, you, you raised yeah. a really key point, because that, that very short-sighted belief that, you know, the power I want today, right, and the inability to realize that same power will be used against your cause in the next election, which inevitably will come, um, is, is one of the most always turn. failings of, of, of all American politics, right? So politicians call for more power to do things, and then, you know, then they get frustrated when, when the opposing party, you know, does exactly the same thing just for their causes. And, and that's just a cash right mm -hmm. story. But, I mean, you, you bring up really important points here, Brian. And for those that aren't familiar, um, we'll share some links about, I mean, the incredible number of book bans in Virginia. I think we're up to over 360, um, you know, this year across, across the Commonwealth. The Hanover uh, County specifically, we'll share some of the, you know, the articles relating to that. And one of them, I think, includes a list. I mean, you look at some of these books. I mean, it's not just, you know, LGBTQ concerns. It, it's in some cases just sexuality in general, right? Like there's there's some sort of, you know, uh, sexual flirtation here in, in this book and, and it's been banned. I think, uh, you know, Judy Blooms Forever, where there's you know, sort of this, this evolving sexual relationship between a, a boy and a girl is one of the books that was banned, I think, in Hanover. And, it, you know, it, it, it's, uh, it's just interesting to see just, you know, the the love protection as, as though children won't find out about sex if they don't read you know the book in the, in the school library right like like kids right because the internet doesn't exist yeah the, your, your kid <laughs> doesn't have a smartphone in his pocket you know at the same time right so yeah and, and, the, and the bigger thing is is like nobody has established that you know many if any of these books were even stocked in the stacks yeah yeah you know, they, they, what they've done is they just went over and they followed the, you know, the, an external, you know, band list. And it's like, all right, they're just running it through there. And they're saying, yep, 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 yep. Let's ban all these. So, so Brian, Not even like, so it's, 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 so, when, yeah, when it comes ahead. down to actually doing this, right, when it comes to actually saying, okay, what would, what would CLPV advocate for? So is it really just saying, like, like no, we, we do not want to give, you know, counties and school boards this, this authority? Is it just leaving it up to the school, the librarian, the principal? Who's making these decisions? Well, I think that's really, I mean, there was nothing wrong with the status quo. Let's just, let's just lay our markers down. Uh, the status quo worked because it was uh, a consensus-based system in, in pretty much almost every county and city uh, of professionals and the political you know, aspects that are coming together, forming a consensus and, you know, and working on it. That's what needs to happen. It's not a matter of stripping, uh, stripping authority or you know, giving authority or rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. It's more of the idea that we just, that's not appropriate. That's not an appropriate exer exercise of school board. Say we should have a objective known standard of age appropriateness and you know, have everybody follow that and have to justify it. Uh, and if there is a problem, you can bring it up to the board and make your case, et cetera. But these preemptive bans, that's, that's not good. It's not okay. Uh, we should be, wherever possible, expanding the, the amount of uh, works that we have in there uh, from all sides. I mean, I, as, again, viewpoint discrimination is, is, the, is, is the wrong thing. I mean, even if you go over, it's like for the people who, uh, for good reasons, you know, the, the good intentions uh, want to say, oh, well, we're not going to put, for example, Mein Kampf anywhere in the library. You might want to put it in a restriction section, but, you know, if nobody can read it, 
nobody knows about it. And then it's sort of like then you become, it's like uh, when a virus hits a community that doesn't have any resistance because you don't even know about it. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, it's the same thing with the, when nobody, nobody knows, I mean, for good reason because we don't use them anymore, but uh, it's the, you know, the deep history of anti-Semitic tropes uh, and cartoons and images, et cetera. Uh, and fortunately, most people don't know this and they don't traffic in it, uh, but the problem is the people that do are sneaking it back in. You know, and are the people who don't realize, oh, that's from, like, the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, like, 150 years ago, you know, which led to massacres, et cetera. Um, and they're just sneaking that back in. It's like you know, people are, don't realize that. You know, and we point it out. It's like, why are you thinking that? It's like, because we, we paid attention to history, and that's the problem. If you go over and you, and you take all of these things out, you know, you know without, without any context, without, you know, you're just like, nope, this viewpoint is suppressed. That viewpoint is still going to get out there. What you, all you're doing is just cutting off your your, your means to to understand it rationally to have put to put any context around it. And, yeah, it, and that's and that's wrong. And that's the idea that we need to fight against. Yeah, and certainly the goal here, you know, it, it, it just it, just to make this clear to anybody listening and, and and not hearing this, like the goal here is not to deliberately put you know hateful, hurtful, extremist materials in front of children, nor is it to put pornography or other things in front of children, but it's to create a place where kids can learn and grow about the world they're going to be exposed to and be properly armed where we can have you know respectful responsible conversations so people you know are aware of of, of what's right and wrong to a certain extent right what's acceptable mm. what's not acceptable right within, within reason right between what happens at home the family conversation what happens in the school it's about preparing kids for the world they live in you know and just you know it's sort of just a, a silly anecdote maybe but, but relevant remember when when i was in middle school I was uh, in a reading class. We had reading classes back then, and I had uh, I picked up a Stephen King book, and I, I read the word. Uh, I won't say it since we, we post this as a no, no explicit mm-hmm. podcast, but uh, you know, crap in, in other words. And I was I, my mind was blown that that was in a book in a school. I was just like so surprised. Mm-hmm. I asked my teacher, like, "Wow, did you know this was in here?" And he's like, "Yeah." He goes, "There's all sorts of words in these books because you know authors try and." talk like they do in the real world and sometimes you know people say these things and i had no issue with it i was just very surprised by it. and i think just sort of mm-hmm. you know, being able to be exposed to things you know realizing what the world around us looks like can be a healthy exercise even if sometimes that causes questions challenges right people might have additional questions for mom or dad when they go home and and that mm-hmm. that's probably a healthy thing so brian just you hit a lot of really important points here a lot of this has been really about empowering teachers schools right it's not to, it's not to hurt the schools it's not to hurt education it's to empower those that are responsible for delivery and, and, and to empower the parents and students that are going to these schools any final thoughts you'd like to wrap up with here just to help maybe put a bow on some of these ideas around education reform for those who are listening yeah i mean you, you hit it right on the head i mean the again i like to talk about like uh, guiding stars and uh, and directions rather than like uh, precepts and rigid rules uh, is that we need to be working in this direction. And there's a lot of different ways to get to this direction. Uh, and the point in all of the in all of our education reform is we've got to stop at the top down and start going bottom up. We've got to get we've got to empower the people that uh, have the most knowledge about the uh, the people in question, which are our children, uh, to educate them and you know bring them up and to be responsible adult citizens 
uh, to help you know the next generation uh, you know go, etc. That's what we have to focus. We, we we've got this ancient system that is you know industrial in nature to make factory workers, and that's just a bygone era. But we haven't changed it, and that's the reason why so many people are having so many problems now. And we keep you know adding intervention after intervention after intervention when like all the other ones don't work. It's because it's fundamentally you know unsuited to the 21st century in America uh, and, and in the Commonwealth. And we've got to put the we've got to put the power and the focus back on individual schools, teachers, and parents working together rather than being told from up above what, what you know, doing this long circuitous route. It's like, oh, well, the parents have to talk to these people, have to talk to the, the legislators, talk to the governor, then it rolls all the way back down to the teacher. Short circuit that. Because that's what you get with, like, private schools. Again, with the choice. It's like, the, you know, the rich and the upper class, upper middle class, already can do this. You know, they can go to schools that are very responsive to them, <laughs> that, don't, that don't answer to a, a bureaucracy. They answer to the community. And they get to tailor their schools. And if it doesn't, doesn't work for them, they take their money and their, and their kid, and they go to a place that does. What we're, what we're saying is, yes, that's actually not a bad thing. Let's boot that down to everyone. We need to expand that level of responsiveness and choice to everyone. And I think we can. I, I, I agree with you, Brian. I think you're right. And I think, you know, realistically, you know, there is no perfect solution. There will always have to be, you know, responsible decision making and, and, you know, thinking through these things locally, what's best for our children, what's best for our schools. But trying to take the approach you've described here of empowering parents, students, teachers, local schools is, is really just, I think, it's, it's, a, it's a broader application of many of the ideas and beliefs we've talked about on these podcasts you know, to, to create a more free, more accountable society. So thank you for walking us through that. I think we'll wrap things up here. But before we go, Brian, any, any last thought, uh, not necessarily to educational for me, anything else you want to throw out there for those who are listening before we, before we wrap up today? Well, I just want to remind everybody that uh, pretty soon it's, it's going to be the new uh, uh, legislature se uh, session. We're going to have lobby day, and uh, we're going to be out there. We're going to be going and lobbying the, the delegates and the senators uh, directly, uh, we're pushing for ballot access reform, uh, and of course, once you're in there, you can talk, you can you know drop any other thing. But our real push is ballot access reform. So if you are out there listening and you want better choices, more choices on the ballot, uh, then please consider uh, like signing up with uh, with us, uh, you know, helping us volunteer. We will give you uh, we will we will get you in front of uh, delegates if you if you come and talk to us. Um, we're, we're getting together. We got letter writing uh, to do. All of this is rolling off, and we're kicking off because in a month uh, the new session is starting, and we've got to get in there as, uh, as individuals to make our voices heard. Since you know, God forbid, they won't let our <laughs> let us have our voices heard at the ballot box. So, hey, Brian, a, a good call, a good opportunity. If you want to get involved, we'll be share the links as always to to get in touch. You can reach out. You can contribute your time. You can, if you don't have enough time to, to give, we want to give a few dollars. You know, each one of those goes a long way to help support issues like ballot access reform, education reform, and other issues. So, Brian, thank you for that opportunity. And it's an exciting time as we wrap up one year and start a new one, a new year and new opportunities in many, many respects. So I think we'll wrap things up there. Brian, thanks again for taking us through things. Look forward to getting Chris back with us next week as we dive into 
an exciting topic, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But to all our friends who are listening, thank you for being with us for this discussion on classical liberalism and ideas for a more open Virginia. We're glad to have you with us as always. As Brian said, please consider joining the CLPVA or donating to the CLPVA and helping us to fight for a better Virginia, including issues like educational reform. Join us next time as we get into a great topic and at times a controversial topic as we'll talk about bodily autonomy. I feel like there should be uh, thunder or something in the background as I use those words. <laughs> Thanks for being part of this community. And until next week, here's to open markets, open minds, and free people. Cheers. Thanks for listening.